0: The Macro View, episode 47. Warning, if you're triggered by the truth or get lost in a sea of logic, we just don't give a damn. This is The Macro View. You are now listening to the number one daily podcast focused on spreading the logic of liberty. Government agencies operate under a different incentive structure than do competitive enterprises. Competitive enterprises operate under what is known as the profit and loss motive. Entrepreneurs make judgments what to produce and how much based on prices of goods. And entrepreneurs judge both in consumer prices on the market and the prices of the inputs into the production process to determine whether there is a likelihood of achieving a profit if they buy the inputs of production at market prices, efficiently use the inputs to create an output and then sell the output, the in-goods, at the market price as well. The likelihood of profits or losses, the current difference between the cost of production and the price on the market, the assumed summed prices of input subtracted from the assumed market price of the in good, that provides a signal to investors. The greater the potential for profit, the more urgently demanded the goods are by consumers. The profit and loss motive guides entrepreneurs into the fields of production that will best serve society's needs. Bureaucrats, on the other hand, operate under the budget increase motive. The budget increase motive has met with implications that should really scare everyone. The budget increase motive, as the name implies, guides government agencies to spend as much money on quote-unquote problems without ever curing or solving the problem. Specifically, the budget increase motive tells bureaucrats to spend their entire budget. Why? Agencies that do not spend their entire budget will have their budget cut in the next year's appropriation from Congress. Now, as mentioned earlier, the goal is to spend all this money without actually solving the problem that the bureaucracy in question is tasked with solving to begin with. If the agency in question solves the problem, the problem that they're tasked with solving, they become obsolete. The great Dr. Thomas Sowell highlighted this incentive problem with an extreme yet highly illusory thought experiment to his students back when he was still teaching. His thought experiment was used in an article that he wrote for his syndicated column back in 2013, and it went something like the following Imagine a government agency with only two tasks one, building statues of Benedict Arnold, and two, providing life saving medication to children. If this agency's budget were cut, what would it do? The answer, of course, is it would cut back on the medications for children. Why? Because that would be what was most likely to get the budget cuts restored. If they cut back on building statues of Benedict Arnold, people might ask why they were building statues of Benedict Arnold in the first place. Now, while Dr. Soule admitted that this was an extreme example, The fact is that the same pattern can be seen across bureaucracies at all levels of government. And we're going to dive into the reason why that is right after this quick commercial break. Something tells me that a lot of my listeners like to read those thick economic treatises like Basic Economics by Thomas Sowell, Man Economy and State by Murray Rothbard, and Human Action by Ludwig von Mises. In total, these three books alone are well over 2,500 pages. Now, you don't wanna be lugging around one of these behemoths. It's far too inconvenient. This is exactly why I love my Kindle Paperwhite. Not only is it light, convenient, and easy to use, but especially for those of us that like to go back and reread certain parts that made an impact on us or are worth the second take, it's so easy to highlight and to take notes and to keep track of where you're at. Now, if you are like me and you like to have a hard copy of your favorite volumes, there really is nothing better than the Kindle Paperwhite. You can do all of your highlighting and note-taking digitally, and you can keep your hard copies in pristine condition to one day hand down as a legacy. Best of all, it's extremely easy on the eyes. If you spend all your day in front of a computer and you're sick of the headache that you get from reading PDFs on your monitor, there really is nothing better than the Kindle Paperwhite. Now, if you're an avid reader, Go to T as in the, M as in macro, V as in view, podcast.com. That's T-M-V And on the homepage right next to tonight's show page, you'll find a direct link to purchase your very own Kindle Paperwhite. You won't regret it. I use mine every single day, and you're sure to love it as well. Also, it's guaranteed to make you a better student of liberty. So head over to T-M-V podcast.com. Click on the link there on the right-hand side and get yourself a Kindle paperweight. So why is it that bureaucracies at all levels of government operate in this manner? The reason being is that bureaucracies do not have a profit or loss motive. They have a one-sided loss motive, and the more money they lose while simultaneously maintaining the problem, quote-unquote, at the same degree or even a worsening degree while the problem gets worse— the more money they can ask for the following year. And we see this over and over and over again, particularly in education. Uh, you always, it's never enough money. It's never, never, never enough money. If you actually go back and look prior to the federal Department of Education existing, uh, performance was, was steadily increasing in the U.S. And then you have the Department of Education uh, step in and cost skyrockets, Costs skyrockets. Budgets go through the roof. Year after year after year, you hear more money, more money, more money. We need to tax you more. There, there's no amount of money that is enough to fund education. You know, as, as Tom Woods likes to say, education is the American religion. Public education in particular it is the American religion. There's no amount of money that would suffice. And at the same time, scores flatlined. So we've been spending way more money on education while scores have flatlined and actually, particularly for the 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 poorest members of society and the most vulnerable members of society, scores have actually gone down. Performance has actually declined over time. And we can all we all know anybody that's gone to a public school knows that you, they don't prepare you for anything. I mean, kids should be learning how to how to code, they should be learning engineering, they should be learning all the things that, should, that would prepare them to go into the careers of the 21st century and they should be learning them at a young age. They should learn logic. You know, one of the things that I'm really lucky for and that I was blessed to have in school was I was part of a gifted program. And in that gifted program, we did logic tests every single week, actually twice a week. We did three different logic tests and it was a phenomenal, phenomenal thing to learn. And most people don't get that nowadays. It actually taught us how to think. And teaching kids how to think should be the primary goal of education. You shouldn't be teaching them what to think. We should be teaching them how to think, how to think for themselves, how to solve problems, how to critically think about the issues in their life, come up with a solution and attack the solution and be able to go forward and solve problems in their own life without having to ask government for permission or how to do something. But bureaucracies don't have a profit and loss motive, so they have no And there's no competition, but the the lack of a profit and loss motive and the lack of there even being a threat of competition basically puts them in a situation where they have a one-sided loss motive. They just need to spend as much money as they possibly can and make sure that they never solve the problem at hand. So eventually in a competitive enterprise, the price system and the profit and loss motive serves as a check. It serves as a check on growth. Because all organizations have an incentive to grow, whether they're private or public, whether they're for-profit or not-for-profit, the natural goal of organizations is to grow larger and larger and larger. And the price system and the profit and loss motive is a check on overgrowing in the private market, in the, the for-profit market, because you have what's, what's known as economies of scale. And you have both economies of scale and you have diseconomies of scale. So you grow to a certain point where you reach peak efficiency. You become as efficient as you're ever going to be. And then when you grow beyond that, you start to lose efficiency for a number of different reasons. It's harder for management to, to keep an eye on lower-level employees, so you may lose labor labor productivity. You start investing in, in uh, businesses or business units that are outside of your core business unit. And you may not have as many experts uh, at working in that division of your business of this new business unit that's not part of your core business unit, it might not be the best thing for this company to do with their time or their money. And eventually companies reach a point where they're at peak efficiency. If they grow any further, they reach what's known as diseconomies of scale and they start to become less efficient, less efficient. And when they go beyond their peak efficiency, more efficient competitors will be able to step in and siphon market share away from the behemoth that's grown far too large to maintain their efficiency. For government agencies, there is no such check. The only check is political upheaval, which is extremely, extremely rare. And you get political upheaval every now and then. People go out and protest. They say, you know, rein in the budget or fix our taxes. You had the Tea Party movement not too long ago. And then it kind of fades off. Everybody forgets about it. You know, maybe the economy grows a little faster than expected, um, or maybe it doesn't grow as fast as expected. People start to find other things to worry about, and worst come to worst, you could always have the fourth estate. You could always have the media go go out and, and just change the narrative. You know, the, the extremely biased, extremely liberal media will just go out and change the narrative, and they'll say that you know it's actually government spending that's too low and that's the reason why people are hurting and we need more government services and we need more bureaucracy and we need more regulation and they'll just change the narrative and most of the people will just buy it now eventually you do end up with populist movements like the one you just saw in 2016 uh with the election of of now president donald trump you have a populist movement that that's really sick and tired of being told lies they finally see you know, they wake up and see that they're being told lies now, you don't necessarily get the best policies out of that. I mean, Trump's talking about spending a trillion dollars on infrastructure. Now, don't get me wrong. The guy is a you know a construction guy. He's built a lot of buildings. He spent a lot of money building buildings. But again, private corporations have a much different incentive. They actually have a profit motive. They have a profit and loss motive to do what's best. If you're going to put that money in the hands of bureaucracies, it's going to get built into their budget. It's going to become part of their baseline they're going to spend everything they can without actually solving the infrastructure problems that we have. And the following year, they're going to just ask for more. They're going to say that it wasn't enough. Now, we've been being told for years upon years upon years that our gas tax money goes to building this stuff. But it doesn't actually go to building this stuff. It gets siphoned into the general fund. It gets spent on whatever programs are hot at the moment. And who actually really even knows what the money goes to? It's tons of pork spending Tons of cronyism, tons of subsidies. You know, I did an episode on subsidies uh, back on, I believe is episode 12, um, or it might have been episode 17, I think. But I'll, I'll link to that on tonight's show page at macroviewnews.com slash podcast slash 47. There's a little bit more that I want to talk about regarding the budget motive increase or budget increase motive, excuse me. Got the words mixed up there a little bit. The budget increase motive. But first, got to cut really quick for uh, another word from one of our sponsors, and then we'll be right back. So I do realize that not everyone has the time to read every book that they want to, and that's fine. But I bet those same people that don't have a lot of time to read spend a lot of time in their car commuting back and forth from work or from school. There's another phenomenal Amazon product for those of you that are thinking, yep, that's me right about now. It's Audible. Now, I'm sure some of you already know about Audible. It's the audiobook app that turns reading into listening. It's great. And while I'm an avid reader, there are far too many days on my drive from downtown Los Angeles to Santa Monica and back where I'm all caught up in my favorite podcasts. And AM radio is just far too frustrating when you can't call in and read the host, the riot act for being a horrible neocon or regressive leftist. That's what Audible is for. For a limited time, if you download the app on your desktop or mobile phone from our website, tmvpodcast.com, Amazon is offering new Audible users two free audiobooks. Now, personally, I suggest you make good use of those two free books. Get yourself one of those backbreakers that you've been meaning to read, but just haven't had the time or the will to open it up. Go to tmvpodcast.com, and right there on the right-hand side, you'll find a link to this exclusive offer. Don't miss out, folks. Head over to tmvpodcast.com, click on the Audible banner, and get your two free audiobooks today. So even if you do have the extremely rare political upheaval that leads to actual real budget cuts now remember usually when you hear about budget cuts you're not actually getting anything cut out of the budget what you're having is a, a slight decline in the growth rate so a lot of people remember the government shutdown from just a couple of years ago i think we're all old enough to remember that and during the budget the, the government shutdown, you know first of all everybody that was temporarily put on hold remember they were paid for that so they came back, they got back pay once the budget was, you know, the omnibus, the temporary, but the continuing resolution, as they call it, uh, was passed. All the people that were put on back pay uh, that were temporarily out, you know, off of work, it's basically a paid vacation. They got paid for all that time off. So it wasn't like they, you know, you had all these people starving because they lost their jobs, their, their cushy government bureaucrat jobs. They were just fine. They came back and they went right back to work. Now, you also had the sequester. The sequester was part of the continuing resolution to get out of the government shutdown. And this was pushed by the, uh, the Republican Party majorities in both the House and the Senate. And this, uh, this government, well, actually, I believe that the Senate wasn't even under Republican control at the time. So it was mostly pushed by the House. The Senate became under Republican control in uh in 2014 which was the year following but this this sequester you know everybody said oh, there's this massive massive cutback in government spending right it wasn't at all the, i mean the next budget was 4.8 percent larger than the previous budget it was a 0.2 percent cut from the baseline five percent increase that you typically see in a new budget so every year you know baseline for congress is not zero. It's not a zero growth budget and it's not a cut in the budget. It's not an actual nominal cut in the budget and you, not even real cuts if you're to account for any any inflation that there was, the baseline is 5% growth. So year upon year, the budget grows by a baseline of 5% and then they increase it to 6 7 8% some years or maybe they cut it back to like with the sequester 4.8%, but to get a to get a point Two percent cut in the rate of growth to get a tiny cut in the rate of growth not even in the actual nominal budget to get a tiny rate in the cut of growth the government actually shut down i mean republicans had to risk their political careers which you know as some of them did to get a 0.2 percent cut i mean it's it's absolutely ridiculous and the reason being is that these agencies They make it seem like they do things that are extremely vital. But let me ask everybody that's listening. It's a rhetorical question. During the government shutdown, was there a single government service that you weren't able to access? Did the police not work? Were firefighters not working? Were the buses shut down? Did water not run through your faucets? Did your energy company that's heavily subsidized by the government stop providing you energy? No. Did schools shut down? No. None of this stuff actually shut down. None of it shut down. It was a tiny, tiny, tiny percentage of what are considered non-necessary bureaucracies or bureaucrats that were sent home for a paid vacation. Now, the question that I really ask is, if they're not necessary, why the hell do they exist in the first place? And, you know, the only thing that I would say is just a little bit wrong about Dr. Thomas Sowell's thought experiment where he says if they cut back on building statues of Benedict Arnold, people might ask why they were building statues of Benedict Arnold in the first place, is that nobody asked. Nobody cared that there are all these unnecessary services that the government admits are unnecessary services that were temporarily shut down. Nobody cared. Nobody asked why there are unnecessary services to begin with. Why are we spending taxpayer dollars on a bunch of crap that's not part of the necessary functions of the state if you are a statist that believes that there are necessary functions of the state. Now, I'm not going to get into you know, anarcho-philosophy right now and discuss why the quote-unquote necessary functions of the state are not necessary either, and the fact that they're highly marketable and would be much better off in the hands of private markets. But I will just say that it's just kind of ridiculous that it's even called a government shutdown. I mean, nothing's shut down. Nothing shut down. And if, if you're old enough to remember, like I am, it was just a few years ago. I think it was four years ago in 2013. I mean, everybody went back to work a couple weeks later. I think it was for 16 days. But you would think that Armageddon had occurred if you watched the news. I mean, you would have thought that there was a meteor coming for Earth and that the entire world was going to implode when the government had shut down. That, you know, everybody was losing their stuff. Everybody was losing it. I mean, all over the mainstream media, you're now irresponsible it is. How can we possibly do this? Nothing shut down. And when everybody came back to work, nobody questioned why the hell they were building statues of Benedict Arnold to begin with. Well, everybody, that's all for tonight. I uh, hope you enjoyed tonight's show. If you're not listening to tonight's show from the show page, you can find it at either macroviewnews.com podcast. Slash Forty Seven, or if you go to TMV, as in the Macro View, tmv dot all one word, it'll redirect you to the same place. And tonight's show page will be the first uh, the first post available on the home page there. Now, while you're on the show page, which I'll, I'll link to episode seventeen that I did on corporate subsidies, and to some other resources. I'll link to, uh, to Dr. Thomas Soule's article where in, in the, from his creator syndicate column uh, before he retired, which is very unfortunate that he recently retired from that column. We need him more now more than ever. Uh, but I'll, I'll link to that article so everybody can read the little thought experiment and his elaboration on, on why it is and whatnot. And I'll link to a related blog post that I did about the same topic just a couple days ago um, on tonight's show page, as well as some other resources. And while you're there, go ahead, you know, hit the link on the right-hand side uh, and get yourself a Kindle Paperwhite. It's a great product. I use my Kindle Paperway every day. Get yourself a Kindle and download. If, if you don't have Audible, what's wrong with you? I mean, do you not spend any time in the car? Do you not have any free time where you just don't feel like reading? You're too exhausted. Your eyes are too tired or where you're in the car and you're trying to drive home and you're just sick of the mainstream AM and, and PM, you know, AM radio? Or you've listened to every new song on, on the FM radio and they just keep playing it over and over again. Get yourself download the free trial to Audible. It's great. If you sign up for the gold membership, you get a free audiobook every month. Just by signing up for, for their free trial, you get two free audiobooks. But then you also get a credit for a free audiobook every month. So and if you forget to download it, you, they they carry over. You don't lose them if you don't use them. So the carry over, you could end up stacking up a bunch of credits, get yourself some audiobooks. It's really great for some of those big economic treatises that I know some of you all love to read, and it's a great opportunity to reinforce some of that that knowledge while you're on your way back and forth from from work. So, also while you're on the macro view uh, show page tonight, on at the very top in our headers, we have links to all our social media all our social media pages. And we have links to our YouTube page. Now, check out our YouTube page if you're not listening to this from our YouTube page already. If you are, subscribe. And if you're not, hit that link and go and subscribe to the Macro Views YouTube channel. We've also got the, uh, the YouTube um, videos of our sister podcast, Burning Strawman. And you can also find, we have a website for Burning Strawman, it's burningstrawman.com. So, check that out as, out as well. Follow us on Facebook. You could hit the link right there on our on our homepage up in the header. Little Facebook icon; it'll take you to our, our Facebook page. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Same thing; just hit the link right there in the header. Follow us on Twitter. You know, I love hearing from fans. I recently was asked by a couple of fans to put up a contact page. Um, so we've got a contact page. If you have any suggestions for episodes or guests or topics that you want me to cover. Or, you know, if you want me to, if you want to ask a question, I'm going to start answering some of those in the podcast. If you want to do that, don't forget to comment on our blog post, to comment on our, on our, our podcast posts and everything, you know, be, become a part of the community. It's really a, a great place to meet other people that are like-minded. And while you're there, sign up for our newsletter. There's going to be some great things coming to the macro view some absolutely phenomenal announcements that are gonna be made pretty soon, including one that's gonna make listening to the macro view that much easier. So go ahead and sign up for our email list. That way you never miss an episode and you're notified when new episodes are getting ready to drop. And lastly, but most importantly, most importantly, do not forget to share the macro view with your friends, your family, your social media network, wherever you feel as though You can help me to spread the logic of liberty. That's all for tonight, folks. Tune back in tomorrow and take care till then.